of evil and suffering. I'm hoping to wrap this up um, in just a, a couple weeks, so hopefully not too much more pain and suffering for you guys as uh, we seek to figure out how we can not only handle our own pain and suffering, but be prepared for when it may come our way. Some of you are in good times, and so you're, you're not suffering right now, but there may come a time. And, and the goal is that uh, you will be prepared for that time as we try to answer this question in heaven, how do we handle the pain, the suffering, and evil around us? Some of you are in the middle of us. Pain and suffering isn't just something that has happened. It is something that is happening. And so my hope with this is not to give you easy answers, but to, to kind of give you some light into the darkness. And, and I realize some of what is said, and even what will be said today, it, it's easier said than to really have to live it out. And, and I don't give them as just uh, nice, trinket answers, but I hope in your midst that you get a little bit of hope during these times. And then as time goes, you will see the truth of Scripture within but also as we interact with people that are in pain and that are dealing with suffering, that we, we have a way of trying to be with them. And, and I think it's important for me to remind myself and all of us is when we are with people that are dealing with pain and suffering, our words don't matter right away as much as our presence. Learn to be with not fix people. I know that is the default of many. Is we see something that's wrong and we just want to get in. Well, Pastor Ken, if you would have just done this, this, and this, you wouldn't be hurting right now. Maybe true. It may be some advice he needs. But in the midst of pain, he doesn't care if I have the solution always. But if I'm with him in the moment, there may come a time where he says, Help me know what to do differently. And, and we can do that. And I want us to learn this day from the character of Scripture Joseph. We're going to look at the end of this story, and if you do the devotions this week, you will interact with the rest of this story. But what is important for us this morning is Joseph experienced a lot of pain and suffering. Joseph's life was not all roses. It was a whole lot of uh, thorn bushes with that. And those of you who are watching online, Jeff is going to uh, fix uh, some of that. Uh, Jeff, you know how to do that? We're good. We're good. Okay. So he's going to take care of you there because I messed up this morning. Good reminder because I'm not perfect. Uh, I make mistakes. So, but Joseph had a lot of thorn dimensions of life. And a lot of that was because of his own family. I could put it up there, but I won't that sometimes it is the, those closest to us that will give us the most pain in the world. And, and sometimes it's because they're the safest people. You know, uh, I was having a conversation with Yvette, and Ken brought up the idea of why do kids act great around other people until you get them home? <coughs> all right? I know you all think my kids are angels. 
they want him to hear. There's no evidence that Jacob actually ever said this to them. Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I, Jacob, ask you, Joseph, to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. Interesting enough, there is really no personal responsibility taken for They're hoping that Joseph will forgive them, not because they're asking, but maybe their father did. And how hard a time it may be. And I think what is important here is we realize that time is a great friend. This happens years upon years upon years after the offense. I think if this would have happened a year after, Joseph isn't going to say the things we're going to hear him say. He has learned through the years how to respond. For some of you in the midst of suffering this day, time is a wonderful friend. Because with time, we get perspective. And healing doesn't have to happen right away. And, and, and unfortunately, or fortunately for Joseph, the suffering he had at the hands of his brothers was not the only suffering he had. He then suffered in prison because of being taken advantage of. And it was one of those he said, she said moments that when you're a servant, your word doesn't matter. Then he suffered even longer in prison because of forgetfulness. Where someone in this case, serving the king, forgot that Joseph was right. And he suffered again and again. Time is a way of giving us perspective. I know my own pain and suffering moments. As I shared many uh, weeks ago, I grew up in a single family home. My father was killed when I was two. And it took me a long time to starting to think through that, the pain that was there. I remember vivid moments of wanting to know uh, why, you know, I didn't have someone to play ball with in the backyard. You know, yeah, my mom, she was doing other things. My mom was a good softball player, but, you know, it wasn't the same. You know, it wasn't until I was about 18 years old, I was uh, in a, on a wilderness camp in Tennessee, where we literally slept with a tarp above us and a tarp below us. That's why I don't like camping still to this day. You know, we did whitewater rafting. It was great stuff. We were like, yeah, right? And we had to do these things that I hated at the moment. I know I'm not supposed to hate these, you know, straighter boys, but, but I did as a few men, right? I had to go spend time with God out in the woods by myself and be silent. You know, no one as a teenager likes being silent. That's what the Navy do. But, you know, going up. And, and the Lord and I were having our normal conversation about why. You know, why didn't I have what everybody else had as far as the father? And it was finally, after about 15 years of struggling with this, I finally submitted to hearing the word of God say to me in that moment for myself, most kids have one father. I have the advantage of at least five fathers. And I can count them by name. 
Greg Gunder, who was one of my youth leaders. He got me into coffee. In those days, it was more milk and sugar than coffee. Nowadays, it's coffee, isn't it, Kim? He knows. It's coffee. You know, Greg Gunder. I can really point to uh, Larry Kearns and um, Mr. Burke. Forgot his first name. Here, Dave Burke. Who before that, Larry Kearns, I went to Miami hockey games before they were there. You know, ice hockey games. As they uh, went in. And then after that, you had uh, Scott Cox, uh, Bob Mako, two youth leaders again. And it's fine to youth leaders too. Still with the same. You know, uh, the Makos, I would drive to their house on a Saturday evening. They left the door unlocked for me. And that's where I learned to shoot a gun. As he was taking his kids, his sons out, he said, You're coming too. What a blessing. My Uncle Ray and others. Where I finally realized I had more than just one thought. Time is a great friend. Because, see, evil and suffering want us to have us question who is God? And whether you're dealing with pain, the question of who is God and is God really God? Because if God is really God, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. It's what uh, Satan, the enemy, told Adam and Eve in Genesis. You can be like God in a moment. In our story this morning, the pain and the suffering that Joseph has, when his brothers try to get forgiveness, his response back to them in verse 19, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Am I God? It's a rhetorical question. But he is stating the answer by asking the question. He's like, I'm not God. In your pain, the temptation may be to become God. To take revenge. There needs to be a time of justice. And for some of the evil and the pain that is caused in our world, their justice needs to be served. But revenge is not ours to serve. I know I used to joke with teenagers all the time, and still do, uh, where, you know, I'll say, uh, God says vengeance is mine, and I like to add, totally not scriptural, and I'm his agent. Okay? I would love that. But I'm not God. I'm not God's agent of vengeance. And in our pain and suffering, we need to remind ourselves we are not God. I know there is a path out there today where because of the pain and suffering that some are experiencing, they're going away from the truth of Scripture. Because obviously if I'm dealing with this, then God isn't God. They bought into this idea that maybe you can be your own God. You can make your own meaning out of your pain and your suffering. And I'm here to say, unfortunately, you cannot. And I'm here to say, you don't want to be God. You can make some meaning out of your suffering, but until we start to see the perspective of God and realize we are not God, we will get strangled by our own pain and the darkness and the evil around us where we become just cynical, bitter, terrible human beings because of the pain inside of us. 
And as he reminds them, am I God? I think for them that was a comforting statement, but that is a terrifying statement. Because it also reminds the brothers there is a God who has notice. There is a God that will exercise perfect justice. And it also reminds them that Joseph wasn't going to put himself in that place. He goes on to say, you intended to do evil to me. He used the word evil of scripture. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, what we must have is proper perspective. When I realize I'm not God, I can start to look for someone who has that perspective. And this is where time comes about. This is what time helps us to do. It has been over the years of time I've gained greater perspective on my own pain and suffering. To realize that it's good that I'm not God. See, because if I would have been God, I probably would have changed a whole lot of my childhood. And this is one of the great things about the movie It's a Wonderful Life. I know some of you are already in Christmas mode. You wish the tree could be up. You know, others of us are like, just wait, please. You know. But where he realizes that he gets kind of this idea of what would life have been like if he could have changed one moment. And see, we, when we change one thing, we change everything. One of the things that as I've tried to tell myself many of times, because of the tragedy my family has faced, I'm literally here in St. Paris. Because good chance if my father would have stayed alive, I would truly be a southerner more than just a heart. There's a good chance I never would have made it to Ohio to live. There is an even greater chance I never would have gone to Cedar University because I never would have been a part of a church in Springfield. I, that would have been this. I would have stayed in Trustful, Alabama, or around there. Maybe I would have gotten to at least a couple Alabama games in my life. You know, uh, it was party. I appreciate, Ron, you and Calvin checking on my pain and suffering last week after that team from Texas rolled over them. You know, it happens. You know, but when, or maybe what would have happened if my mom would have gotten remarried? She could have. Once again, life would have been different. Yet, because that's not what happened, because of the pain and the suffering that we as a family have dealt with, we, I am here. Because of my pain and suffering, I had to be a part of a church that was the church. I remember growing up, the organist's name was Jean Law, you know, but her husband was Harold. He was a janitor of the church. And growing up, it's still true, and Josiah gets it for me. I had a bladder that doesn't hold a whole lot, and I always drink water a lot. And so I got left at least twice in my life. One of those persons was at church. Okay? And I was using the restroom. My grandmother thought my mom had me. My mom thought my grandmother had me. And they both left. So here I am walking.
for her own long. He finds me as he's locking all the Sunday school doors. And he's like, well, where, where, where's your family? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, we'll find them. But if not, the Beagles play today. And I can order pizza. And you can just come. And that's when the Beagles were pretty good. Right? It was either the late 80s or the time they were, you know, well, not good. Thus says a Browns fan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, but here was the church being the church. I said, Lenny Kearns and Dave Burke, I remember his name. These were guys that took my brother and I and were the church because of our suffering and our pain. Why do you think I serve in churches that are 150 or more years old? Because the church was the church. So I'm not a church planter. I hope to revitalize churches, or this church. I don't plan on going anywhere, so you're stuck with me for another 25, 30 years. <laughs> All right? You know? I'm honestly, honestly. You know, I retired maybe 30 some years. You know? Lord willing. Lord willing. You're stuck with me. I don't care. Did you do that? Some of them 
at the beginning of this list was their meal. Others come to know Jesus in part because of them. Lives of being saved. God will not waste a pain, a history, a suffering. We may not understand it. I still don't understand it. I don't understand how God works. But when, if I have a proper perspective and I can say, I am not God, I can then say, but what was meant to harm me, God intended to save lives of me. And as Ron reminded us uh, a couple weeks ago from uh, the letter that Peter writes to the early church, 1 Peter, where he, he says really interesting things in a lot of ways. But he talks about uh, here in 1 Peter this idea of our momentary troubles that we have. And if we're honest, we don't like the idea of momentary troubles because they feel like fool troubles. Or he goes on to say, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, wait, here, I don't want to suffer for doing good. If you do, God notices. Because why? Christ suffered, leaving you an example. And there's where I go. See, there's another person very similar to Joseph's brothers in Scripture. His name is Judas, the spirit, the betrayer. Who meant maybe what he was doing for evil. He thought it was for something good. The crucifixion of our Lord, but God redeemed for the saving of lives. How are you and I saved? In Christ, in Christ alone, His atoning sacrificial work on the cross that reminds us evil and suffering does not have to have the last word. So, what about you and I today? I wrap up a little bit. What can you and I do? In these moments, if you're in the moments of pain and suffering, persevere on. Time will help you gain perspective. For the rest of us, we need to be prepared. And part of that is by having the right perspective today. We are not God. But God can redeem even the worst for the saving of lives. It may not be your life, but someone's. You may have something done that was meant for evil. Will you be willing to trust God with your pain? Yourself. Because if you do, he's the one able, as scripture says, to do immeasurably more than we can talk with us. He, and he alone, is the one who can bring order out of things. He, and he alone, is able to make good come from the evil around us. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I ask that, uh, that you would do the work that uh, you would have done with us. Lord, that uh, you truly have done the work of transformation. And Lord, I just ask that now if we need to respond, that we would respond to your word. Lord, your spirit has interpreted your word as we each need it. That's the beauty of what you do. So, Lord, we know 
For your word never comes back without accomplishing something. Lord, I ask that you do the work that only the word of God can do in our hearts, in our spirits, in our lives this day. And I thank you for it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to respond, I ask that you would as we sing. Uh,